somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Here they come. The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle light years ahead of its time. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Hello. It's an epic of heroes. and aliens from a thousand worlds. Star Wars, a billion years in the making. And it's coming to your galaxy this summer. episode number 73 of Blast Points is Jason and Gabe. It's a new hope's birthday. Happy birthday, Star Wars. Happy birthday, Star Wars. It's been 40 years. 40 years of a new hope, Star Wars, whatever you want to call it, the whole thing. In this episode, we're talking about that movie. Came out in May of 77. I was a very small baby. Gabe, do you know when you first saw... Star Wars, the very first one, was it... Because I figure for me, I, I had to have been... I don't know. I think it was like the... if Was was there a re-release in 79? There had to have been, because that was the year yeah. before Empire. So that, that I, had to have been when I saw it. I would think that's when I saw it. I don't, rem, I don't actually remember ever seeing it in the theater, but I remember having an R2-D2 toy, and I knew of Star Wars, I think. I only ever remember watching like a 
bootleg VHS version of it. Like someone copied off of the VHS. So I don't know. But I must have seen it because I knew who R2-D2 was. So I, yeah. but I don't remember. It's just it's always been there. I I had all the I remember I had all the toys I had a bunch of the figures before Empire came out because I I remember really being into Empire Strikes Back coming out I had a Darth Vader pillow on my bed yeah I had Empire bed sheets and pillowcase but I don't remember seeing Empire in the theater the only thing I remember Empire in the theater is I remember being really confused that Yoda had the same voice as Grover. Hello there. This is your old pal Grover. Mm-hmm. And today I'm going to talk to you about near and far. Mm-hmm. You remember how in the back of the action figures, like the super secret characters, it was like this little black blob? Like we're not mm-hmm. going to tell you the Ewoks. You can never know what the Ewoks look like, you know? Yeah. And it was like Yoda was a big secret for a while. And I remember I was at Meyer in Muskegon there. And, like, somebody was talking about, like, oh, you can't know what Yoda looks like. And I was like, I've seen it. Not much has changed, I guess. But I was like, I, I know what Yoda looks like. He sounds like Grover. I, I wasn't impressed. It's just Grover. <laughs> just a green Grover. One day George Lucas will do it digital. And it will look much better. <laughs> yeah. 1999 is going to be where it's at. <laughs> actually, 2002. Oh, yeah. But actually, no, that 99 puppet is really where it's at. Yeah, right. Like we've said before, I can't wait until The Last Jedi when the 99 Yoda puppet shows back up. He'll be back. <laughs> He'll just be surfing in. race standing there watching the waves, waiting for Ghost Yoda to surf back in. Some waves. <laughs> I start this morning. He's wearing sunglasses. It's time for the Jedi to surf as well. <laughs> On that note, we both watched uh, Star Wars this week. I watched it a couple different times, um, and we watched it in different ways. How did you watch uh, Star Wars this week? Yeah, so I thought. Since my earliest memories of Star Wars are the pan and scan VHS copy that I watched, I went and watched. I did watch the special edition, but I watched the uh, the full screen pan and scan DVD version on my old square TV in the basement. So I was thinking it'd probably been 20 years since I watched it pan and scan because there was the, the THX VHS set, right? That was out before the special editions even. And like once that was out, I don't want to watch this full screen garbage it was kind of fun to go back and watch it that way because it had been a while how did it look was there anything different or anything crazy that like was how they did the the pan scan version i mean it was kind of how i remembered it where whenever there's a close-up of someone's face it's like a close-up of someone's face (laughs) people's faces are huge but um i think the funniest thing and i i remember this now as a kid watching it too is like I don't think I knew what anything in the crawl said until the widescreen versions came out because you can't ever really see a full sentence because it's like completely cropped off. And by the time the whole sentence is wide enough on screen, it's so tiny. Um, and especially on VHS, it was like, I don't think I knew what any of those words were. It was yeah. like true true to the, what are you saying? Uh, 
how Lucas wanted to throw you into a, a foreign world or alien world. No understanding or no explanation. Yeah, yeah. The, the VHS version goes all the way where you can't read the crawl. <laughs> Trying to decode, okay, there's like three words in the middle I can read. <laughs> Somebody's a custodian, okay? <laughs> yeah, huh. it's like, okay. Yeah, I think it's about there's a I don't remember the janitor being in the movie. <laughs> Somebody's got to clean something up. OK, I got that. So what about you? How did you watch it? I watched um, with normally I'm I'm a special edition purist. Whatever version Lucas has last delivered, that's the version I, I want to watch. But I I watched one of the thousands of different um what they call de-specialized versions or something. But it was, I really enjoyed it because it was, like you were telling me, they basically just took a 35-millimeter print of Star Wars and just kind of cleaned it up a little bit. But it was still, it looked very dark. There were like the real change, little black circles in the corner every once in a while. There were moments where the film was grainy. And I really enjoyed that because it was like, this isn't someone trying to think like I can make the movie look better than what George Lucas did. It was just like, no, let's let's watch it the way it would have looked if you would have gone to see it in a theater, you know, a year after it came out or something. And you're watching it at like the second run theater after the movie's played for a year, six months, whatever. But yeah, I would be all in favor of, like we said before, something like that coming out one day. Just for the historical purposes, here's what it looked like back in the day. Well, and it would be fun to have, you know, let's have all the edits and different audio tracks and everyone wants to see all that stuff. Any way you watch this movie, it's still good. You could watch it projected on your hand, on the top of your foot. Somebody gets out a little projector. It's still great. Those little Kenner blue turn a crank, watch little clips of no sound thing that came out. Those are still great. On the, on the screen on your watch? Yeah. It'd be fine. Any way you watch Star Wars, it's going to be good. And uh, the movie still holds up. It's still a good movie. I have no clue how many times I've seen this movie. It's ridiculous, probably, if I tried to figure out how many times I've actually watched Star Wars from beginning to end. I think, too, it's one of those things. It's been around, I mean, you know, for us, as long as we've been alive, for the most part, almost. Mm-hmm. But there's still new things that you can see in it. And it's still like you forget like just how kind of outrageous and ahead of its time it is. And how weird it is. Yeah, because that was the the thing that I kept thinking about. And we'll, we'll probably get into some details as we go along. But as much as it is like this crowd-pleasing adventure film, it's also super weird. Yeah. And still, if it came out today... It would still be really weird. It's so interesting watching it now. And when you see these things and you hear like Ben Kenobi talking about Jedi or you see stormtroopers or even when Darth Vader first comes into that hallway, we know what's going on. And even somebody who's never even watched Star Wars, any Star Wars movie before, chances are they know what Darth Vader looks like and what a stormtrooper looks like and they know that they're bad guys but like for I kept thinking like for audiences that went to go see it in May of 77 they had no clue like this all the Star Wars mythology and all the stuff that's around us every single day there was none of that and I can imagine people who were getting popcorn or something and didn't read the crawl and at that point you have no idea really 
who the good guys and bad guys are either. I mean, other than it's like Darth Vader's all black, but you don't really know until he starts throwing people around that that uh, what's going on or who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And then there's just robots because that was the thing I think for me that I think is the amazing thing about this movie. And the special thing about this movie is really that first third is so weird and the main characters really aren't there yet. I mean, you get to see Leia, but just for a little bit, it follows robots around wandering the desert for a long time. Well, and something I was thinking about with the the, the the first third of the movie, too, that it really is the only Star Wars movie now where the first third doesn't really have a major action scene. It's got little flashes of action. Vader coming through the hallway is some action. Uh, Luke with the Tusken Raiders. It's it's really the only Star Wars movie where that first third moves at such kind of a, a leisurely pace. It does a really good job of it starts out really exciting. You get just enough information about what's going on to kind of keep your interest and wonder what's going to happen next. But yeah, and then they just throw you into this just weirdness of, you know, there's two droids, but only one of them talks which is kind of on its own crazy. And then all of a sudden the droids jump into an escape pod and you realize, wait, the, the whole movie's just following these droids. <laughs> and then they crash in the desert and they're arguing and they're just, yeah, w- basically wandering this wasteland. And then finally, when you're like, okay, they're going to get to some people. It's like the Jawas show up who don't talk and make crazy sounds. Uh, it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't imagine another movie now being that, just like ballsy to just throw you into this story about robots in the desert. Well, in a way it's, you know, the most similar to the Phantom Menace where the Phantom Menace started so far back in Star Wars history, where it just did the same thing where it dropped you in to this world. And it was Star Wars because there was droids and Jedi and stuff, but it was a totally different time with very little explanation on what's what. And a lot of people didn't like that with Phantom Menace. It was too unfamiliar. It was too crazy. But it was just as crazy, in my opinion, as Star Wars. Well, that's a good point, though. I think because, you know, to so many people, it, you've never not known about Star Wars that, yeah, you don't, you don't have that feeling of what the heck is going on with this stuff. Because mm-hmm. you kind of, you know it, and we've all seen it a million times that, yeah, to just be someone that, and and, and to see it in 77 when, there really wasn't another movie like this to compare it to. It's curious going in after reading all the scripts and everything before and how just packed full of nonsense those were to see how stripped down the end result was. And it's interesting to think about how much of that is just the result of how difficult it was to make the movie, too. Yeah, that it's one of those cases where the difficulty of making the movie in a way worked in its favor because maybe if some of the other stuff worked out better, they wouldn't have had to have 30 minutes of droids wandering the desert at the beginning. Cause there might've, you know, there was the scenes with uh, Luke and his friends and there were other things that could have been in the movie. Yeah. Or if Lucas would have had the budget or the means to make the movie that was in his head, there would have been Luke flying on a bird or something in star Wars, you know, which, you know, maybe that would have been good. <laughs> Part of it, too, is just is remembering, you know, because until the prequels, too, it was like 
Empire and Jedi had other directors and there was a lot of Lucas, but there was, you know, it was more filtered through other people. And going back to this one and just how much of it is that pure Lucas weirdness. (laughs) Special Um, breed. Yeah, that it's, you know, it still comes through, you know, wrapped up in this story that, you know, people really got sucked into. But, you know, around that story is just weird stuff. Goofy stuff, which I still like that. Uh, I think when Lawrence Kasdan was doing interviews for Force Awakens, right, where he was basically saying how Star Wars is goofy. And it's probably, that is, you know, probably the best word to use. It is goofy. <laughs> you can you can think it's not, but it is. It's really goofy. like one of the first moments of real goofy when I was watching it again and this this goes right into what we were talking about before is when when Vader's um, holding up Captain Antilles you know and Vader has that line if this is a consular ship where is the ambassador what's that what are they even talking about where's the ambassador it's <laughs> the consular ship of course where's the ambassador yeah everybody knows a consular ship should have an ambassador yeah Another weird little thing I like in that whole the the blockade runner part is when uh, 3PO and R2 are in the escape pod and you just see the little Star Destroyer circling away in the distance. Like they're in the washing machine? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just really like that. Yeah. That shot's really great in pan and scan too because you really can't see R2 or 3PO. You're just watching the the ship spin around in the center. (laughs) Are you sure this thing is safe? But then right after that, you got uh, Vader's talking to Leia, and then Vader's going down the hallway, and he's talking to this one Imperial guy who has the snootiest face in the world. Yeah. I don't remember his name either. Do you? I'm sure he has a name. Yeah. (laughs) Admiral Snooty, Admiral Snooty face. She'll die before she tells you anything. And then he just keeps staring at Vader. He just looks really confused, yeah. but it works. <laughs> and then the second guy comes out. Mr. Serious Grumpy Face? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Captain Grumps. I think I need to do a pan and scan version where I focus on not the main people. Because I think if you just watch that whole scene of walking down the hallway where you could only see... Snooty face and not Vader. <laughs> it's like a whole different movie. It's the problem. Whenever I watch Star Wars, all I can look at is Snooty face. And I think about that there hasn't been like a sideshow figure of that guy. Maybe uh, maybe he'll show up in Rebels. He should. The, and they should make a figure of him and um, Grumpy Face. Then we kind of cut to the droids in the desert. Yeah, which is great. If you step back and really think about what you're watching, it's insane. Yeah. It's it's madness. <laughs> People were at a movie theater, they paid whatever you, you whatever movie costs in 77. They're sitting in the in the theater and all of a sudden, yeah, it's two robots <laughs> in the desert. Only one of them talks and they're just like arguing with each other. I kept thinking about if Alan Ladd Jr. 
with like, you know, you got these people, the Fox, 20th Century Fox, chairman of the board and stuff. And, you know, here's everybody, the you know, the guy that made American Graffiti. This movie's costing a whole lot of money, but we got some dailies here we can check out. So you know this guy's making, a, like, a legit movie. And they put in, like, R2 and 3PO in the desert. <laughs> yeah. With, like, you know, probably Anthony Daniels, like... You know, like... <laughs> yeah, just mumbling through the suit. Yeah. I have to say, because going back and, and watching this again, too, kind of thinking about it, not just watching it again, but, you know, thinking about it, like, as someone seeing it for the first time or, you know, thinking of its 40th anniversary. It is pretty amazing, like, how much Anthony Daniels did to make 3PO a character. You know, you kind of take it for granted, you know, it's, what, eight mo- eight movies later. He makes you believe he's a real robot. Like, he got the motions down, the way he moves around. Like, I don't think you ever not think you're watching a robot. And then Ben Burt, like, you do get invested in the weirdest thing you've probably ever seen. <laughs> and you're, like, watching two robots in the desert and you want to, you know, you're worried about, well, what's going to happen to them? It's like we were saying that Ben Burt should have been there at the 40th anniversary panel because he should have. Because he is, as as much as John Williams is the secret sauce of Star Wars, then Ben Burt is the salt and pepper, you know? Like, yeah, he, he's like the uh, the breading, the crispy original recipe. Uh, he gives it the flavor that you need. Yeah, he's like the crunchy stuff that the sauce can stick to. Because, yeah, what would, what would Star Wars be without Ben Burt? Chaos. It, it, Chaos is a good, it probably wouldn't have worked and you wouldn't be, people wouldn't love R2 as much as they do. Because, you know, I think you could be blind and listen to the movie and still be enthralled with what's going on with R2-D2 just by the sounds. So kind of right after that, we're introduced to the Jawas. It's Lucas, total Lucas style, right? Let's get it weird, and then let's get it weirder. <laughs> because you're like, what is going on? There's, you know, R2, and then, yeah, there's just, just the Jawas pop out. And it's still to this day, like, that whole scene, like, I can't get enough of that scene of them, them popping their heads out. And then the sound effects are getting crazier, because you keep waiting for somebody to talk. Mm-hmm. But no one's talking. You're just hearing nonsense. In Utini, and it just keeps building and building until uh, R2 gets zapped. Another one of my favorite little things in Star Wars is, and this, this is weird, this is one of my favorite moments in all eight movies so far, is all the stuff in the Sandcrawler. Oh, yeah. When when the camera's just going through the sand crawler, and yeah, there's there's a Death Star droid, there's a Gonk droid, there's weird droid sounds, there's that one weird droid that's just leaning against the wall, just kind of rocking back and forth. Well, that's kind of the thing. It's like this, instead of just being this weird freakout section, it is, but it it's actually paced really well to where it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder and crazier and crazier. And then, yeah, the climax is you're in this machine full of robots. And then it ends with, you know, R2 and 3PO see each other again and 3PO freaking out with his his poem of R2-D2. It is you. It is you. <laughs> R2-D2, it is you. 
And then you're kind of out of the weird for a little bit. But not really, because then you go right into do-backs. <laughs> Just when you're getting over Jawas and uh, a giant box with wheels going through the desert, now you got stormtroopers riding on giant lizard dinosaur things. Just to remind you that uh, it's not all fun and games in the desert. <laughs> And more great sound effects, because really before the special edition, the only thing that made the Dubex cool is the sound they make. Which is still cool to this day. Yeah, because they didn't really move. You Except, just heard that cool uh, Dubex roar. Yeah, it made your heart move. <laughs> it made, made your body move, made you get up and dance. Yeah. Y'all ready for this? Dubex, I think I love you. <laughs> Well, then, you know, what, 20 minutes, almost 20 minutes into the movie, then we get to meet the main character. You got to think of the person in 1977 sitting in the theater. Yeah, you're 20 minutes in, and here's this farm family living on a desert space space planet buying robots from Jawas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, what am I watching? <laughs> you just got to roll with it. Yeah. Man, my friend said this was good. <laughs> <laughs> All I saw was seen it's some robots. <laughs> this, movie's, uh, this movie's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. I like movies about real things. But I did I did notice this time, I don't know why it, it never really dawned on me, but it, it's kind of neat that Luke, the main character, shows up and immediately you know his name because Amberu is just rem- telling you over and over again, Luke, 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 <laughs> Luke, Luke. So, Luke, it's, it's kind of a clever way to basically make you know who he is <laughs> kind of immediately. I love Owen and Baru so much, especially yeah, Baru, but grumpy Owen. Yeah, Owen's kind of grumpy, but it does. Yeah, if Baru seems like, you know, Luke had a good life with, with Baru, at least. I've always wanted to eat everything in their kitchen. Everything looks good. Their kitchen sounds so cool, too. Yeah. Great noises going on in there. They should sell, like, a little speaker to put in your kitchen at home that just makes Owen and Baru kitchen noises. You know? Man, I would buy that. Mm-hmm. They need to just make that little food processor thing that she uses. Yeah. And if it made that sound, wouldn't even have to cook very good. I like that with later, when they're looking for Luke, Owen and Baru, you know, nobody knows where Luke is. And then in Empire, nobody knows where Luke is. And then you think of all Force Awakens, nobody knows where Luke is. It's the running theme, where is Luke Skywalker? I never thought about that. That's that's true, yeah. Another thing that really never sunk in, just how bizarre it is, too, is is we basically see a robot take a bath. And with because there's just so much craziness happening it just kind of all runs together and you stop just thinking about just how absurd some of the stuff and they're just you know things that you have never seen or may never see again because i can't think of any other movies with robots taking baths uh no Mm -mm. (laughs) just nonchalantly yeah three po's in a bathtub talking Mm -hmm. to luke i bet you it does feel pretty good yeah i might take an oil bath (laughs) this week in (laughs) honor of the 40th
So Luke, so Luke goes off after R2, right? And he runs into the Sand People and the Banthas. Yeah. Which, again, it's kind of like the Jawas. Just some crazy business popping up out of nowhere. Not explained. Because Luke's just like, oh, it's the Sand People. Yeah. Look, there's no big deal. I was thinking when I was watching it, too, like, I, I wonder what it was like on the set that day with the people that had to dress an elephant <laughs> in Bantha gear. And I wonder if the, the talk ever came up of, like, do we really need this elephant dressed as another animal? Yeah. And if Lucas is ever like, oh, we do it. It's, it's a Bantha. Yeah, because he was probably like, I didn't sit on anything today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need some, I needed something I can sit on. I was riding the dewback last week. Today, I need to ride this Bantha. How much do I have to pay to buy this elephant? Yeah. Can dress it up? <laughs> That's what I'm into. I like to buy things and sit on them. <laughs> if you make me mad, I'm going to buy you and then sit on you. <laughs> don't do not do it. Don't do it. It's not, it's not fun. I do have to say, my mind is still blown from the... I think it was in the Empire Dreams thing where they talk about how they didn't have enough frames of the sand person to do the roar part. Oh, yeah. So they loop it. Yeah. They just scrub the frames forward and backward. Mm-hmm. And when, once you see that, you, you can never unsee that. Yeah. But the, to think of how many hundreds of times potentially I'd seen the movie and it never dawned on me that that's just the same frames playing forward and backward. <laughs> And then shortly after that, out comes Kenobi. And this also, probably no surprise to people, but this is one of my favorite moments in all eight movies, too. All the stuff with Kenobi as soon as he comes out. Yeah, it's a great part. Every single line he says is solid gold. The greatest hits. Every word coming out of his mouth <laughs> is like a gold album. Platinum. Double yeah. platinum. Yeah. Rest well, easy, like- son. You've had a busy day. Fortune to be all in one piece. It's like somehow Alec Guinness knew that even before he knew he was going to get killed, he was like, I'm just going to make this one scene, make all my money in this one scene. <laughs> now tell me, young Luke, what brings you out this far? And I loved it, too, when Luke's like, oh, it's just a little droid. And then Obi-Wan flashes that look at R2. Like, oh, dear. Well, I remember <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was now Anakin's he- little droid. Yeah, it is kind of amazing for not potentially having any idea that any there was any significance to any of this how much Alec Guinness's eyes are like hinting at a story that you won't see for 20 more no 40 more no 20 more years I don't know how long yeah time, yeah how long, I don't know how long time is anymore my life is like Star Wars time because I was actually thinking about that watching the movie again that really it's almost like the whole movie happens in the same day there really is no logical sense of time in the Star Wars universe when you're watching the movies. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know, I'm a firm believer of that. But, yeah. Yeah. Time is out the window in Star Wars movies. It's, yeah. yeah. But, it, but you know, it wasn't like something that came later. It was like right in this first movie. If you really stop and, like, charted it out, it's like, yeah, it's a really long day. Well, especially, yeah, especially if you think that Rogue One was yesterday. Yeah. And Rogue One was yesterday. <laughs> right. Like, the Battle of Scarif was the day before. So then we cut to Obi-Wan's hut, which, again, is completely insane, because he's talking about the Clone Wars and the Force, and he gives Luke the saber. It's all the meat and potatoes right there. 
your father's lightsaber. I also want to know what else is in Obi-Wan's chest over there. He's just I like it when he gets the lightsaber out. He's just like, blankets and... These, I forgot I had these shoes. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, he's got that journal in there, right, that they find in the comics? Isn't oh, that from, yeah. Like, isn't that from mm-hmm. his house? Mm-hmm. It's all the flashback stories. Mm-hmm. So. Episode 8, maybe Luke ends up at Obi-Wan's house. Don't think about that too hard. That'll be on the, the bookshelf. And I, I still love that Obi-Wan has his big, like, cranberry juice stain on his sleeve, too, of his, <laughs> of his robe. <laughs> Coffee stain or something. Yeah. And I heard the sand people, I spit out my coffee this morning, yeah, came running you, over very fast. He didn't think he was going to have company today, so he <laughs> just didn't bother to wash his clothes. Sorry, sorry, Luke. It's kind of right after that we cut to the Death Star, where we're introduced to Tarkin. Yeah, there's a lot of cool dudes at the table. Oh, every, um, everybody on there is awesome. Oh, one thing with the New Hope that I think I know I forgot about, and I got to think a lot of people don't think about this either, is for how iconic the opening shot is of the Star Destroyer flying overhead. You don't really see Star Destroyers anymore in the movie. Well, yeah, it's true. Because there's the establishing shot kind of here before the Death Star, and then you see two kind of in the distance chasing Han uh, when they're in, in the, everybody when they're in the Falcon. And that's kind of. It makes Rogue One, I think, cooler in a way that they did went through so much trouble to remake the New Hope Star Destroyer because you really don't see the New Hope Star Destroyer much in A New Hope. Yeah, I never thought of that, but that, yeah, it's true. Because by whenever when everybody thinks of Star Destroyers, they just think of the ones in Empire and Jedi because they kind of you know they redesigned them and that's the one you see so much in those two films. But yeah, you go back to this and really under other than the opening shot, the Star Destroyers are barely in the movie you think you see them a lot like if somebody woke you up in the middle of the night and was like are there star destroyers in a new hope a lot you'd be like of course there are you know but yeah it's really not Mm -mm. after the death star part you you cut back to um to tatooine and they find uh, the sand crawler and then dead Owen and Baru. And no, no, every time I watch that part now, I can't help thinking about how usually I'm so crusty with Star Wars movies recycling music from other Star Wars movies. Like, as much as I love the droid factory and Geonosis part, the music in that, I'm always just like, oh, why? Why can't they do another special edition where John Williams rescores the droid factory? Mm. Yeah. And it's not like... Yoda's theme when Padme is running on the conveyor belt. But now I just think about how great that piece of music is in Force Awakens when Luke finds the bodies of Owen and Beru. Yeah, because that's the one they use, uh, what, when Rey gets the saber, right? Yeah. Because I think that's another fun thing to go back when you watch A New Hope is that a lot of the themes that became the iconic Star Wars themes for the next five movies, at least, if not into the new stuff, weren't written yet. 
the new hope kind of has its own feel musically because there's a lot of themes that got a lot of the imperial stuff that got kind of turned into the imperial march going forward you know is a lot different in here but still really cool and michael giacchino was so smart to keep that kind of attitude going with rogue one Mm -hmm. like kind of the almost the death star theme Yeah, so then kind of shortly after that, we head to Mos Eisley, to the cantina. And you know what? Something I found that, like, going to those Secrets of the Cantina panels really changes how you watch the cantina scene. Yeah, I know. I find myself paying a lot more attention, just, like, looking around to see anything that pops out. <laughs> that yeah. I haven't hadn't seen before. Oh, and I will say before uh, a cool pan and scan shot is uh, when they're standing on the cliff looking out at Mos Eisley. That shot's actually pretty cool in pan and scan because they basically crop right into the to the four of them standing on the cliff. <laughs> so it's like you know the screen just filled with them up on the cliff, which is pretty cool. <laughs> wow, Mos Eisley spaceboat. What's your, what would be your favorite weird alien from the cantina? I do like uh, the forearm uh, gas mask alien. Mm-hmm. I always liked the. Uh, I was always. I was really happy when they made the action figure for that one. I don't know. They're all so good though. What about you? I would. You know, I really like Hammerhead. Yeah, Hammerhead is great. I love his his little sound he makes too. <laughs> but I also like Devil Man, and I like Werewolf Man. The little bug guy trying to get a drink at the bar is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants it so bad. Yeah, he's so thirsty. <laughs> so then Han Solo shows up. Colin Obi-Wan Kenobi, old man, doesn't care. He knows they need him more than he needs them. So yeah. he's just going to be a scoundrel and a jerk. I just love watching Chewie's eyes in that scene. <laughs> Peter Mayhew magic. Yeah, the Peter Mayhew magic. It's like just the way he looks at Han and then yeah. he looks at them. <laughs> he's probably looking at Han to try to see if his lips are moving because he probably doesn't know what's going on in the suit. <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, too, is like when I was watching A New Hope again, I was like, how are they going to do the Han Solo movie where the, the biggest challenge they'll have with the Han Solo movie is Han's arc is in the original trilogy. Han Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? And when Han kind of comes into Star Wars, the original film, he's jaded and he's kind of a jerk. So is this, is it going to be a whole movie of like jaded, jerky Han Solo or is young Han going to start as kind of being more, I don't know, 
not jerky. You know, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point because it is almost like the Han Solo movie is the prequels where instead of Anakin starting as the kindest boy in the galaxy yeah. and turning into Darth Vader, is Han going to be like this sweet kid that just has a hard life and turns into a jerk? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that. <clears throat> because, yeah, what else would they do? Like he can't end the movie as this cheerful guy, right? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. and It will be. There were those um, spy set photos that came out last week that looks like part of the Han movie is going to be on a desert planet. Yeah. Though it could be Tatooine. I hope it is Tatooine or if they want to get crazy, Jakku, because it just it would be really strange to have a third desert planet in Star Wars so soon. But man, yeah, if it's Tatooine and... They haven't said Jabba's going to be in the Han movie, but I kind of don't see how Jabba can't be in it. Mm-hmm. By the end of the original three movies, it seems like you know Jabba was a big part of Han's career. The shipment he dumps in A New Hope wasn't the first time they worked together. When it's like if you're a, a smuggler or a space pirate, you, you've worked with Jabba. You've worked for Jabba. I mean, he's like the big boss man. And I think that's, I don't know that I ever thought too much about it either, like, is Han on Tatooine because he just happened to be there? Or he, I get the feeling he's there a lot, yeah, right? That, I get the feeling that's where the work is. Yeah. So, yeah. So then it would make sense for them to go back to Tatooine. Yes, Greedo. As a matter of fact, I was just going to see your boss. Tell Jabba that I've got his money. Song Pichale. Maratam Makichita. <laughs> Poor Greedo. It's beautiful Greedo. Those little lips. It's just that little mouth going. He's wearing a vest. He was feeling so good about himself that day, going to talk to Han Solo. He's like, man, I'm really going to get in good with Jabba now. Yeah, I'm going to shoot Han Solo. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> So shortly after that, too, we're also introduced to the beautiful Grindian. Yes. Never gets old. I don't think there's ever been a t-shirt made with Grindian on it, which is a shame. You might be right. I check once a week. I've never seen it. We do get another scene of Han and Han, of uh, 3PO and R2 hiding in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> they tend to do a lot in this movie. And it's it was weird watching like an old version and not having the special edition Jabba scene in it. Well, it's weird. And I didn't notice this and I'm sure this probably people noticed this and it bugged them the first time, but how much there's a huge chunk of the Han Jabba dialogue is exactly the same as the Han Greedo dialogue. Yeah. And that's the, the, the complaint that's completely valid that I always read is there's absolutely no reason for that scene except just to have Jabba in there. Right, because when they cut that scene, they added the dialogue from that scene to the Greedo scene. Yeah, yeah but it's still fun. And I, I was having fun going back and just watching Jabba grow over the years from 97 Jabba to DVD Jabba to Blu-ray Jabba. He's growing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's subtle. It's he's, grown, he's grown into a handsome man after uh, his, his rough teenage years in 97. One day my wife was looking at the internet and she found somebody posted a picture of um, – Strictly 97 Jabba, and the the Jabba of which no one speaks anymore. 
and she showed it to me and she's like, what is this? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's phase one of digital Java. And we were freaking out. See Java. Can you believe that Java is real? And anything is possible now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, I can't wait for in two more hours. We'll get to see this Java again. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or me, I went 11 times in two days. Yeah. And like that's, I'm sure that was the high point. You're like, okay, okay, here comes the new stuff. All right, there's Java. Yes. Start to sweat. Ooh, yeah, your palm, palms get all sweaty. Yeah, I'm all energized. All right, let's go. Let's go. I can't go to the bathroom now. Java's about to come on. Yeah. Have you seen Java yet? <laughs> Technology at its highest. Yeah, it's amazing. Right here, Java. Been waiting for you. <laughs> One part, though, right here, which I honestly did not know this until recently, and I have to thank uh, our friend Andy, the droid builder from this, my friend from work. I never noticed R2D2 walking down the stairs before they get to the Falcon. It's... And that is insane. And I'm so glad that I know that it's there now because I think I was always like, oh, look, there's the Falcon. And I didn't. Think to watch R2 somehow walk down the stairs. I'm glad that Kenny Baker survived that. That, that you know, we still had another good 40 years of Kenny Baker <laughs> after that scene because that, that could have been the end right there. And did you ever have you ever noticed the weird blue droid? You know, what's weird with the tank tread legs? Yeah, I noticed that for the first time when I watched whatever version I watched. And what's up with that droid? Yeah, where's the toy of him? Why isn't anyone dressing as that at Celebration? <laughs> There's two years left to get ready. Yeah, the droid builder guys better get on the ball and start making that blue football head tread droid. Yeah, yeah. I might have to do some research this week <laughs> and figure out what what uh, what does Wikipedia have to say about that guy? Like, how many <laughs> comics was he in? So then they escape from Mos Eisley. You got some great Luke stuff in the cockpit of the Falcon. What's that flashing? Yeah. Oh, and that reminds me, that I was thinking about everybody in this movie. Well, everybody, meaning like the main characters, kind of have their like cheesy, goofy lines. But Carrie Fisher really doesn't have any. Like Her goofiest bit is her semi-British accent when she's talking to Tarkin. True. I was thinking about it watching it that... It's because she's talking to the Empire, and that's like, it's Empire speak. So it almost fits the story that it's like, she's a senator. That's like formal Galactic Republic English. All right, I could so, buy that. So, so you got to do your little, you know, your little pompous British accent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, we're introduced to the the Death Star sound. When I die, I'm gonna my casket is gonna play that sound. (laughs) So if you come and put flowers on my grave, it'll go. I love that sound. (laughs) That should be like your phone, your ringtone. I would need an even bigger phone with like a subwoofer in it. That would be uh, to, to get on that. 
After that, you got Luke training on the Falcon. Just good stuff. Yeah. Obi-Wan gets heartburn. <laughs> Go on with your lessons. But after that is one of my favorite parts. It's another little part where um, she lied. She lied. And then after that, with Vader still talking. Yes. I love that. But the scene before that with Obi-Wan, I forgot to mention. One of the things, I think, watching it pan and scan, I never really realized. I think when Han's talking about how he's never seen anything that makes him believe in the Force, I think he has a bowl of cereal. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's like a plastic cup, and then like next to the cup looks like he has a bowl of cereal. So I think Han might have been eating breakfast during that scene. Is that a delicious bowl of C-3PO's? Yeah, I think that must have been it. So they get pulled in with the tractor beam. Uh, Vader makes the genius observation that they must be trying to return the stolen plans to the princess. Makes total sense. That's that's what you do. You still you return the stolen plans to the Death Star to the princess who's on the Death Star. Yeah, right. Because Vader's like, these must be the stupidest people in the galaxy. <laughs> so they're obviously just trying to bring the plans back to her. You get to see Chewie with his uh, headset on, which is always great. You can never go wrong, yeah. And it really made me think a lot about um, where are Chewbacca's ears exactly, and what do they look like? You're asking, you're asking the deep thoughts this week. <laughs> Except the thing in Force Awakens, I feel like we got the first time we ever really got a good look at Chewbacca's fingers. So maybe in The Last Jedi, we'll get a good look at Chewbacca's ears, and every new film that has Chewbacca will see more of under the fur. He'll put, like, earbuds in. <laughs> They just randomly cut to what Chewbacca and R2 are doing in the Falcon. Yeah. Or he's going to show Ray his playlist in iTunes. (laughs) It's a lot of Bee Gees. I don't know. (laughs) Don't judge me. Yeah. Yeah, he probably, I would imagine Chewie listened to a lot of Bee Gees. Yeah, he's like, I like the disco stuff and the pre-disco stuff. After that, there's all kinds of Death Star shenanigans. They're chit-chatting. She's rich. Rich, powerful. And then one, another one of my favorite little things that happen is when they are in their Stormtrooper disguises, and they're getting in the elevator, and Han, I think it's Han, does like the, are you getting in, you? We getting in before yeah. the door closes? I really yeah. like that. Oh, that reminds me, too. There was a, I think when they're getting sucked in on the uh, tractor beam, just before the Death Star. Another pan and scan thing I never noticed was that the little stormtroopers hanging out outside. Oh, yeah. Have, have little backpacks on. Yeah, the space troopers. Yeah. I always remember seeing the little troopers there, but I forgot that they had little backpacks. Isn't one, I remember, isn't one of those guys Joe Johnston? I think they both are Joe Johnston. Oh. So they go to rescue Princess Leia after that. There's the shootout. Which I think the shootout's another spot where the movie starts to just get weird. Because it's definitely, I think, a Lucas moment where it's not like necessarily just a shootout because the story calls for a shootout. It's kind of this just this weird editing 
flashing lights and colors, tone poem, just weirdness. Yeah. Because it starts out like, okay, they're breaking in and they shoot a couple guys, but then it just becomes, I always, even as a kid, I always thought that part was ridiculous where they basically are just shooting anything that's on the wall. <laughs> and there's like six different shape sensors that they're just shooting everything. I don't think I, I don't think I figured out what they were shooting at until I was like in my twenties. I think for the longest time when I was a kid, I thought that was like a bug on the ceiling or something. <laughs> Because they're just, yeah, they're just shooting everything. Yeah. So after that, they go into the trash compactor. There's all the trash compactor hijinks. They get out. They're all wet. They're putting on their original clothes, but they keep the Stormtrooper belts, which is something I always like. You got Kenobi sneaking around the Death Star, like Ray sneaking around Starkiller Base. I was like sneaking Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Real sneaky. And then you got the Obi-Wan Vader duel. It's awesome watching that now. I find even especially after the Rebels Twin Sons episode. Because like the whole time I was watching the, the Obi-Wan Vader duel, I was just thinking about Twin Sons. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we talked about it during the episode. It's like Twin Sons did a great job of adding the backstory to this fight to just make it more... Get you in the gut a little bit more. And that, like, every move that Kenobi makes is precise. It's, like, calculated, you know, and he knows exactly what he's doing during that fight. This fight is really pretty wild in pan and scan because when they crop it in close, it's almost like the Dooku Anakin in the dark Attack of the Clones fight. Oh, man. Because they can't quite fit. Both of them and the sabers. So a lot of it is just like full screen sabers just swiping by and things. Oh, wow. It's actually pretty neat and almost more like action packed because you don't really get the wide shots of them kind of looking old. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just like, you know, full on flashes. And I don't know. It was really cool. I also really like that all those stormtroopers when the Vader Obi-Wan fight's going on, that they're like, hey, let's go check this out. This is some yeah. wild stuff. Yeah. Well, they're probably like, oh, I guess that thing on his belt works. <laughs> because if you think about it right, with Rogue One, he did all his, his crazy uh, Jedi uh, business by himself. There weren't stormtroopers with him when he was chopping everybody up and throwing them around. It was kind of like, you know, he keeps uh-huh. the Sith stuff to himself. Which makes total sense. So Ben sacrifices himself. Before he goes, he looks at Luke and smiles. I love that. Luke has a brief period of mourning, but then after that, we go right into the gun turret scene. Which is so awesome. Yeah, that scene is great. That scene is a masterpiece of the Lucas editing style. Because when I was watching it again, I was counting the seconds of the shots. And most shot is like, most shots in that are about two to three seconds long. Yeah, you're right. It's just, it's really fast paced. But you always kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Um, And that scene messed with my head for my entire life and still kind of does the fact that they climb up the ladder 
but once they're in the ladder, the gravity changes. <laughs> it still messes with my head every time that, you know, they're looking straight out of the top and straight mm-hmm. out of the bottom, but they climb like whoever climbed down the ladder. It's like, I don't know. I just love that they don't even try to explain it. It's just like you climbed on that ladder and you're all of a sudden gravity's different. <laughs> it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Don't yeah. think about it too hard. Yeah. Feel. Don't think. You're right. Because <laughs> it'll hurt your head when you start thinking. So kind of right after that, they fly straight to Yavin. R2-D2's always got the important info that everyone needs. You got a whole room of rebel pilots. Every single one of them has an amazing haircut. And you know, I felt like an idiot, as usual, watching this. That establishing shot of uh, of the temple, like that first shot, I never noticed that like Han and Leia and R2 and 3PO and Luke and Chewie are, are standing out there. Oh, really? Oh. I've never. I never noticed that they were out there. No? I think I was always looking at like the little guys like walking in. <laughs> and I never noticed that they were all standing down there. So what do I know? If if the if you know if you would have watched the Blu-ray of that, you'd have been like, oh my god, they added that for the Blu-ray. Yeah. I love when uh Dodonna's going over the plans and he's talking about um the Death Star's weakness. I love hearing that now and just thinking about Galen Erso. Yes. Stardust and him putting the, you know, the tiny little flaw in there. Yeah, Rogue One did a did a good job. Mm-hmm. I like too going back and watching this too. That the when they I think right in Rogue One when they get to Yavin they fly under the red red planet to get yeah. to. And in New Hope they're always flying under that red planet. What Which is, is that a Yavin or are all the? Yeah, that's Yavin, right? Yeah, it's one of the because this is the fourth moon of Yavin, so maybe that's the so, third moon of Yavin. Well, no, wouldn't the red planet, the red one, isn't that Yavin? And then they're on the moon. Oh yeah, you're probably right. What do I know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that reminded me too, like when um, they find the Death Star at at the beginning, or not the beginning, but when they first see the Death Star, and they're like, "That's no space, that's no moon, that's a space station." I never really dawned on me that how how could it be a boon if it's just floating in space. <laughs> Right. I I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, moons and the talk of moons in Star Wars gets a little fuzzy. Because a moon usually means it's orbiting, you know, a planet or something. And this is just a ball in the middle of space. Yeah. It, you know, if somebody asked you, where does the end of Return of the Jedi take place? You say Endor. Well, actually, it's the forest moon of Endor. Well, is that like, are they on Endor or, on the, or are they on the moon of Endor? It's true. And even Hoth, like they say, that's the 12th planet in the Hoth system. Well, they're just part of the Hoth system. But are they yeah. really on Hoth? I don't know. Yeah. Again, Star Wars. Don't, yeah, you get crazy thinking about these things. Remember, concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the Force be with you. Another one of my favorite little things is when Vader is talking to Tarkin and he's like, this will be a day long remembered. And after he's done talking, Tarkin's face. Because <laughs> it's literally like, dude, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I got business to take take care of and you're just talking nonsense. <laughs> you're going to start talking about pod racing in a minute and I still want to hear that story anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. Ben Quadraneros. Yeah. yeah. 
Boom to Eve, I know. Yeah. I know all about it. I, mean, I forgot to bring this up, but I'll bring it up now that I still can't get enough of the Vader suit in this movie and how much his helmet looks like it is just carved out of wood and painted with a like 10-year-old paintbrush. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, as much as I loved Rogue One, a little disappointed that Vader's helmet looked so good because I just there's just something about the New Hope rough, rough helmet that just adds to the charm. Which, you know, maybe that's Rogue One's explaining. He just had a big fight. He hasn't had time to go back to his hot tub and get cleaned up. So then all the X-Wings take off. We're going into Battle of Yavin. Superstar Wedge. One of the greatest endings of all time ever. The whole Death Star Trench battle. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I was thinking, too, about Rogue One again with how, after the Battle of Scarif, how really jacked up the Rebel Alliance is. You know, like, this is all they got. Yeah, and it's kind of cool watching it again, knowing kind of with some reason why what they have is what they have. Which does kind of add, I think, a different feel to the movie. Because, you know, if you were watching this the first time, you know they're the Rebel Alliance and there's not a lot of them. You don't really realize how close to being wiped out that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is literally all they have left. And yeah. you see that at, with Scarif, how much they lost at that battle. Yeah. I can't get enough of a mustache man, the rebel, uh, rebel mustache man. Merrick? No, in New Hope, like Colonel Mustard-looking guy with the huge mustache. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the Mega Man boss guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because he wasn't in Rogue One, and he hasn't been in Rebels yet. And if there's only one season of Rebels yet, I really hope there's an episode with him. But he is in the Holiday Special cartoon. Is he? Yes. I gotta go watch that again. But yeah, there's not enough about um, Crazy Mustache Rebel Alliance Man. Yeah, because he's not there in Empire or Jedi, I don't think. So. No. Mm-mm. Something bad happens to him. He was like trimming his mustache and screwed up. And he's like, oh, man, and he just had to shave it off. And at that point, no one recognized him. <laughs> he tried to get back to the Rebel Alliance base. It's me. It's Crazy Mustache Man. Yeah, no, we it's don't not. Know. Stop talking. We don't know who you are. So it's fascinating, too, when finally at the end of the battle... When Vader starts closing in on Luke and, you know, the force is strong with this one, not only is that the moment where everything changes for Vader and the rest of his life basically is trying to get it back together with his son and, you know, he starts disobeying Palpatine. But I I couldn't help thinking, too, does he do you think he recognizes R2 at that moment or do you think that's just another astrodroid? But you'd have to think that Anakin of all people, would know that that's R2-D2. I think from being in his ship, I don't think he'd be able to tell hmm. from where he was. Because if anything, he would be distracted by Luke. The realizing it was yeah. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> and technically, R2-D2's painted black in that scene, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't really look the same.
almost seems like he wouldn't even it was you know probably the time drifting in space for however long it took him to get picked up that he probably comes to terms with that that's potentially luke he's got a lot of time to think i don't know i love all that post a new hope i love that uh obsessed vader figuring out that palpatine lied to him all these years later that he didn't kill padme yeah and that his his child is still alive and his child is so similar to what he used to be because he would see luke in that x-wing blowing up the Death Star, and it would remind him of Anakin Skywalker, the hero of the Clone Wars. And little Anakin blowing up the Trade Federation ship. Mm-hmm. Just all came rushing back to him. Captain Panaka. Jam the doors! Kidster, walled. Yeah. The game of ball he never got to play on Tatooine. Sabulba. Sabulba! Yeah. Watto, yeah. Chef, that's Chef Watto. Yeah. Little Annie... Don't be sad, little Lenny. You should you should go talk to your son. Tell him you're sorry. I had Wonder a son, Annie. I did. He, he he said one day I don't like you anymore, Waddle. That's why I wear this hat. <laughs> yeah, his son. That was the last thing his son gave him before he left. His little hat. <laughs> well, someone needs to do a, a fan edit of Vader just spinning, and then remembering everything that <laughs> happened in the prequels in between spins. <laughs> Then you got the medal ceremony. You got a room full of pilots, which is interesting. It's like, wow, Rebel Alliance has a lot of pilots, but what? No ships, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, it must be that. Yeah, they didn't have enough ships. Yeah. Oh, and that with the. I was just thinking with the because R 2s all beat up and you know Luke's all sad. Um, that was the whole when I was thinking about the, how it all happens that one day, like. The scene before the battle where Luke's like, that little droid and I have been through a lot together. But really, it's like he met him the, like the night before. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Star Wars time. It's Star Wars. Don't think about it. Star Wars. Yeah. Don't think about it. <laughs> Just look at the Wookiee. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the Wookiee. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the Mayhew eyes. New Hope, it's unique in the the eight movies. There's a, you know, there's a, like an unrelenting energy to A New Hope. Every single Star Wars movie that probably will ever come out is trying to recreate that. Well, and it's the energy mixed with being taking its time too, because other than this one, like the way the beginning is just kind of it eases into the the big story. They haven't been able to do that again either because there's so much story to tell now that everything's kind of, you know, you want to cram in as much as you can because it's a Star Wars movie or this one just took its time getting to the meat. And then once it, yeah, it hit its stride, it's just relentless, nonstop excitement. And it's a standalone movie. It's great watching it thinking that when this movie came out for a little bit of time, there were there were no toys, there were no cartoons, there were no sequels. No, I mean, there was... There was the novel adaptation, but it was even before, you know, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. There was just this one, for a little while, there was just this one movie. And that was all the Star Wars there was. 
but yeah, it's been 40 great years and I'm sure in 40 more years, uh, you know, people will look back to the olden days when Star Wars started and we get to the 80 year anniversary watching it on our crystals, <laughs> putting the crystals in our up our noses to <laughs> smell the movie into our brains. So we still have a bunch of reviews on iTunes that we'll get through. We have a couple more that we haven't read yet, but we will. Maybe even next week. I don't know. We'll see. In the meantime, if you liked this episode, or if you've liked past episodes after you get done listening to this, you should head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And if you do that and you write something, we'll read it on an upcoming show. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. website at www.blastpointspodcast.com for uh, recipes and comics and when new episodes are out um, and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think that's everything. I think so. And on blastpointspodcast.com there's the link where you can get your own Blast Points t-shirt. You can look cool. You can wear it out in public and talk about Blast Points answer questions for us you'll say yes. what is that and say so you'll say i don't know <laughs> but you should listen yes <laughs> it's these two guys and they're talking about watto all the time yeah and yeah and if you're in michigan this weekend come to the motor city comic-con i'll be there gabe won't be there this year unfortunately no celebration wiped me out but come there. I'm selling some paintings that I've done. Um, come look for me, uh, Jason Gibner. Look it up. But if you're at Motor City Comic Con, come say hi. I'd love to talk to you. It's a good time. And I'll have some. I'll have a small amount of the Blast Point stickers that we were given out at Celebration. So, ooh, I know. Ask me if I still got one, and if I do, I'll give one to you. But that about wraps up episode 73 of Blast Points here. Thank you for listening, and I hope you had a good uh, Star Wars birthday, 40th anniversary uh, spectacular, I guess. Uh, let us know if, if you're doing anything special for the uh, anniversary. Yeah. What's your uh, preferred format to watch it, or if you're anyone's having parties with cake and, <laughs> and cookies or something, I don't know. Send us, us photos, know. yeah. Pin the tail on the bantha. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. But all right, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.